2: I knew the right hand would land, and the inside shots are my, uh, you know those are my money makers. Cody,
1: no longer.
3: Oh, oh, man. Man. Awesome, you know, I just wanted to prove, you know, it's time on to have
1: warriors. Justin Bad Topper. Welcome to UFC
4: Unbuilding tell
5: me that's on video i've never been happier i'm made for a fucking podcast
0: that's
5: dangerous. <laughs> Listen to me, We're dangerous.
4: welcome to ufc unfiltered once again matt is away um but it's okay because I, I there's always people i like i was very happy forrest when i heard that you were going to be uh, sitting in so thanks for for joining us today appreciate it as always
5: well it, it's great to be here Jim um, you know Matt's a lazy lazy son of a gun so and I was just thinking you know Matt's pretty good right he's fun and entertaining but even if you're eating steak every day sometimes you just want like a, a juicy cheap fast food hamburger and and I'm just here to be your juicy uh, cheap has, fast food hamburger you know a little, little change up right
4: yeah, although I wouldn't necessarily call them that steak. I, I I would say it's from one uh, fast-food fast hamburger to another fast-food hamburger, and, and I'm not steak either.
5: That's good. Yeah, that's <laughs> actually – or like the really tough steak, like you got crazy and ordered a steak at Chili's, and you realize that was just a horrible idea. Don't order steak at, you know, quick serve. Is there anything worse
4: than biting into a steak and you realize it's overly chewy and grisly? Like there's something about buying a steak that just makes you happy to be alive. Yeah. And then when it's a shit steak, there's nothing worse.
5: No, very little word. And then when you realize that you still are out like, you know, a, a chunk of money for it. That's why, that's why I go to those like chaskarias with all you can eat steak. Yeah. Oh, I don't like this one. Just go get another one. <laughs> bring me another one in two seconds. I just turned this card green. You know uh, what the, wor- the
4: worst part of COVID, besides all the money lost and sickness, is the fact that
5: buffets have gone away. Yeah. I mean, people dying, that's, that's one thing. But the big problem is the buffets. Yeah, agreed. The buffets. Dude, Have you the, the Wynn Buffet.
4: There's almost nothing better in Nevada than the buffet at the Wynn Hotel. And I hope that comes back. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. But you just made me think of it when you're like, hey, just throw it out and get another one. Like, they had really good food. I'm not shilling for them. I have no attachment to them. I just remember enjoying.
5: But no attachment to them. But if they wanted to hook you up with a gift card to a free meal or two, you wouldn't say no.
4: No, I'd probably do. Although I couldn't do it because of what I said on the air, because that's get you fired. So I'd have to say, you know what? I'd rather pay the hundred bucks
5: and keep my job. You know what? I'd rather you not tell me things like that. So then when I do it, I can say, Hey, I didn't know. That's true. But they say better to ask uh, forgiveness than permission. That's not true. As someone that employs people, I can tell you that is, that is not how I roll. Do you, how many people do you have under you? Like, do you have a whole team of people that work, that report to you? Oh, well, I'm not there. I, I'm like the line supervisor to maybe like five or six people. But like, I, I I don't manage everybody. Duncan French, the brains of the operation. He's like the line manager of all those people.
4: Are you good at like uh, delegating responsibility?
5: Oh, and- yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: Letting other people do the work? Yeah, I'm really good.
1: <laughs> Does
5: that shock you?
4: are you good at being a boss? Like, like I'm weird with like letting someone
5: go. Would it be hard for you to fire someone? Well, I've never gotten to do it. We fired two people. And, um, you know, the, the other guy, the guy, James Kimball took the lead on firing them both. You know, I, I didn't want to do it. It made me uncomfortable, but I always put myself in uncomfortable situations and I just wanted to like, you know, to see it through. It's like, all right, this sucks, but I want to experience it anyway. Right. You see what it feels like. Yeah.
4: Um, yeah. I don't think I've ever fired anybody. I know. You know what? I've had to part companies with a manager or like an occasional web guy, but I always try to do it nice. Like you never, I, I never, you know, I never want to be the guy that sends someone over the edge. It's like, all right. Uh, you know, we, we had a great time together, but it's time to move forward. I, I
5: hate it. I had an agent fire me, uh, a, a manager agent, a talent agent. I mean, I still keep tabs with her. It literally, I just kept turning down work. <laughs> oh, and she was like enough. I did an audition and here's the thing. I'm not good like at shows or anything Uh, acting. I'm horrible. But you know what I'm really good at? Like being in a room and talking to people and being the center of attention and auditioning for a thing, you know, like when you're actually talking to another actor, that's really hard and you have to give them stuff and they give you stuff and you have to like react. But when you're just the guy and you're just reading lines, you know, you're reading some signs and like you're just being a big jackass on stage. I'm really good at that. So I would get parts and then they were like, oh, God, you're horrible.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I'm a horrible auditioner, so I yeah. envy your ability to do it. That's a hard thing to do.
5: Well, it's also too because I don't give a shit, right? I, when I used to go, out like well, if I don't get the job, I, I literally if I get the job, I don't want to spend three months of my life, you know, sitting in a foreign, you know, two months whatever in a foreign country, you know. Are you in your? I believe I saw you in a, what's this Army of the Dead? Is that hmm. the name of the movie? No, no, I'm in. I'm in. The, I'm in the advertisement for the movie, not the movie. You're in the advertisement but not the movie. Right. Yes. I don't understand. Why? Did you ever see that 30 days of of night thing? It's 30 days. It was actually a good movie with the vampires and then they kind of had that little series to build up to it. It was kind of like it's just like a little just like a a well very well done commercial.
4: Okay. So it's not about there's no cage fighting
5: in the movie? I have no idea. Okay. I've not seen Has the movie even come out yet? I don't know. Are we, are, I we I Doubt that there's cage fighting in the movie. They're basically. It didn't make sense. Yeah, they. Um, I think they just robbed a bank, but like with zombies that are smart. Okay. Also, too, I'm gonna weigh in on this, and uh, you know, send your hate mail if you need to. I like fast zombies.
4: You do. You don't like the 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 lumbering asshole zombie that just kind of plods along.
5: No, I never thought. I always thought they were dumb. I like fast zombies. Fast zombies are my jam. I thought Twenty Eight Days Later was one of my favorite favorite movies at the time. Were they fast? I don't remember it. Uh, were they fast? They were like, you know, and it gives like some BS scientific explanation where they were like, they had all their, you know, adrenalized and, you know, had the oh. epinephrine, whatever, and, you know, all the catecholamines, whatever. They were all like jacked up on, on uh, adrenaline. So how do you kill them in that movie? Um, the same thing. You just got to smash their brain or you could just cut, you know. You just gotta just destroy that brain. Do you watch The Walking Dead? Like in the
4: first season, they couldn't get blood on them, and it was such a horrible and, and now by episode like season four, they're like just stabbing them with a you know knife to the head. Knife, like you know how hard it is to drive a knife
5: through a skull and then do that, it again? That has irritated me many times. Really? And like the thing is like, yeah, you can't like I mean, you can't, I don't care how rotten you are, you can't put a knife through a skull why don't they just go through like the eyes or through like the bottom of the throat with a long knife or go like yeah. in the eye, you know, cause the eyes no protects. That's right. To your brain. That'll turn you off. Yeah. I don't know why. Hey, turn off. Uh, how about that Shane Burgos knockout? You know the one I'm talking oh, about? Like when he staggered backwards. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody was saying that it's like a chemical release of your calcium and, and potassium like exchange and that his like, got deregulated by the shot or something you know because like one thing has to leave the cell as the other thing comes in or whatever but yeah i've never seen anything like that obviously with body shots it happens and i've yeah. even been like in an actual fight where i stepped back and you know i had the bambi legs i was stepping on potholes because i'd gotten clipped and i didn't even realize that i was hurt right but it was just my legs you know and so oh so you can see that um, that happened against Keith Jardine. I didn't even know I was hurt. I just was like, oh, my legs aren't working. But with, no, my body's not lit. But wait, I'm fine. I'm still here. Wait, no, but it's going on my legs. Um, but yeah, he went out. Like, I think he would have gone out cold if the guy hadn't given him the extra shot. Yeah, that was a very
4: strong. I can't think of a time I've ever seen it either. Where he, Literally a second later, he takes st- and You could see that he's there's a, a, sh- a footage of Wendy Williams passing out on camera. And um, she's dressed like the Statue of Liberty. It's really kind of
5: funny. Virtually identical.
4: But do you see the, you see the, uh, you can see the look in her face where she knows something's about to happen. And she's like, oh God, like she's watching a film of herself. And that's what that reminded me of was that look in the face of, okay, wait a minute, knowing it's happening and not being able to stop it.
5: The eyes. Yeah. The eyes are like a panic. Yeah, Yeah. It was pretty neat. Yeah.
4: What do, you, what do you think? Uh, I mean, it was just a chemical thing. I, that scared me when I saw it, to be very honest. I was like, I, I hope that's not more dangerous than a regular knockout.
5: No, it isn't. It no. Is.
4: All right. Well, look, our first guest is here, uh, Forrest. Uh, Cody Garbrandt uh, fighting Rob Font on, uh, on Saturday. An incredible fight. You put in the work training at the gym, on the court, at the track, wherever you go. You push your body to the limit. Now, maximize your results. Discover how to unlock your inner champion with Thorns High Performance Sports Nutrition Line. With the most comprehensive line of NSF certified for sport products on the market. Thorne is the unquestioned leader in both quality and innovation in sports nutrition. With pre-built fitness bundles like Thorne's training bundle, you can jumpstart your training and fitness routines and help take your performance to the next level. Don't trust your body to anything else. Choose the supplement brand with the extensive third-party testing and the highest level of certification recognized in pro sports choose Thorn, the official sports performance nutrition partner of the UFC. Visit thorn.com and use the promo code UFC10. That's T-E-N for 10% off. That's promo code UFC10 and you get 10% off and Matt and I get the credit and that's all that matters. Life can be a battle. Whoever you are, we're all fighting for something. O2 Industries is here to protect fighters like you. That's why they created TR2, the Ultimate Military Grade Respirator. It battles airborne particles so you can fight for honor, not for air. Developed with Tier One operators, this respirator is eyewear compatible and fits a wide range of facial profiles. It's even approved by elite fighters like George St. Pierre. TR2 launches on October 20th, available for fighters like you. Check out its bold design and pre order yours at protectthefighter.com. O2 Industries, proud to fight alongside the UFC. Hey, Cody. Hey guys, how are you? Very good, man. How are you? I'm doing well, man. It's exciting. It's fight week. Finally here. How are you adjusting to all like all the regulations being lifted? Like, Are you happy that life is kind of back to a, 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 some semblance of normalcy?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, that's always nice. I came out of my hotel room this morning to check weight, and I didn't have a mask on, and the security lady tried to fight me. But hey, uh, it's all right.
5: <laughs> hey, Cody, why, why do you still have the COVID beard? What's up with that?
2: Oh, okay, so... It's the war beard. So I grew the beard out and the hair out last fight. Yeah, yeah. But it was the hair was too much. The hair and beard was too much. I'm like, you know what? I'll just grow the beard this time. It was just too much to do, man. I was going through too much conditioner.
5: Good call. It looks a lot better now. It looks clean. You look you look like you should be running a CrossFit gym though. So kind of do shit. <laughs> it works for you. I'll take that. I'll take that.
4: Do you like it though? Like I hate when I have facial hair. It bothers my face. It itches. It's uncomfortable. You're actually okay with it. Is my mic cutting out or is uh, Cody cutting out?
2: I think you're cutting out too. Okay.
4: Here we go. Yeah. Crisis
2: diversity. Technology, baby.
4: Yeah. It's been, it's the one frustrating part. Like, you know, these little things happen with, with, uh, I'm sure you've had it during other interviews too, where you're talking and all of a sudden you realize like for five minutes, no one has heard a thing you said because it dropped.
2: That's with my mom, like I get off the phone with her and she doesn't say bye. She just hangs up. I'll be talking and I'm like, Hey mom, you still there? Like. Five minutes go by and she's already on the phone. I'm like, why don't you ever say goodbye? She
4: just hangs up, click. Um, you know, it's funny in movies. They always do that in movies. All right, okay. And they never say goodbye in movies. And I guess there are people in real life that do that, but I always have to say goodbye and wind down slowly. Yeah,
5: I had to learn. I had to learn to say goodbye because I kept, uh, I kept pulling a Cody's mom. And then people would get mad at me. They would text me back, like, I oh, knew you, you were hanging up. But I was like, our conversation had concluded.
2: <laughs> it wasn't going anywhere else. I get it. it the oh, I like, yeah, we're done here.
4: Hey, I is your it. mom very blunt? Is she kind of like that? Is she like, All right, I'll talk to you soon and then just click? Is that kind of her nature?
2: Yeah, she's she's very blunt, you know. She's very blunt on a lot of things, you know. So uh, very strict on on it. So yeah, for sure. She's always been like that. So I don't take it to heart.
4: Is that a good thing or bad? Like, does it kind of keep you in line? And she's at least you know she's truthful with you, or you can always trust her opinion. Or
2: oh yeah, definitely that's one you know one person I always go to for advice. Or you know, hey, should I do this? Or how do you think about this? You know, so I always bounce things off her, and she's always going to shoot it straight. You know, there's gonna you know she's always showed us tough love, so you know she's never going to change up.
4: Do you need from people like I'm weird? Like I always like somebody with a good bedside manner. Like if you're training or if you're doing something wrong, are you the type that wants someone to go look that sucks, or do you need someone to kind of tell it to you with with some type of a, a positivity attached to it? I mean, neither is better. I'm just. Curious.
2: I think you know, growing up in a wrestling environment, wrestling community, and the tr- tradition that my school had growing up wrestling, our coach was like um, he was like a Bud Bud Elmore off of you know Varsity Blues. So he was. You know, you didn't take no bullshit. Told you how it was, whether you liked it or not. You know, and I think I was always coached that way at a young age. You know, a lot of kids can't be coached that way. They kind of break, or you know, need that positive reinforcement. Oh, you're doing great. You know, but let's do this. Like, you know, our coaches, we were if we were messing up and doing things that we weren't supposed to be doing, they would, you know, they they would we, they we get punished for that stuff. You know, we had to do. I do a lot of bear crawls growing up in wrestling. <laughs>
5: That's awesome. Hey, the question though. Um, does your mom ever, like, uh, comment on your fights and say, yeah, that sucked. You shouldn't have done that.
2: <laughs> no, she's pretty uh, reserved on, on that matter. You know, like, she comes and supports, and, and she's never missed a fight in my entire life. I had my first fight at 14. So, um, but, yeah, she's never really, hey, you should do that. Never even give me, like, a tip, you know, like, you know, hey, maybe you should stop brawling with people, you know, <laughs> nothing. Well, not my mom
5: always told me I should get hit less, and I was like, <laughs> point, I'm not trying to get hit, but thank <laughs> you.
4: Yeah, that's
2: not our goal to
5: get a hit in there. We don't like it. <laughs> it really is the best advice, though. You know what I mean? You should be getting,
4: you should get hit a little less. All right. Yeah, that makes perfect sense.
2: And we enforce a lot of like, we need things broken down in the simplest form to be like, oh, oh, yeah, that's okay. Let's do that. Let's move a little bit ahead more.
4: And how are you? How you obviously, you're healthy because you're fighting, but uh, you healed up okay, your bicep and everything. Did it go the way you wanted it to, or did it take longer or less time?
2: Man, it actually took a lot longer than I expected. I I mean, I obviously, thought COVID was real. And, you know, if I had it, I would kind of, you know, Deal with it and go from there. But I had, you know, residual effects. You know, I had vertigo. That was the first symptom. I had that for nearly four months on and off. And um, you know, went to the Mayo clinic, did some hearing tests, you know, thought I had Meniere's disease. They did all kinds of hearing tests that I checked out, I had pneumonia, and then I did my quarantine for 14 days and came back um started training because I was obviously training to fight for the flyweight title. And the first day I hit pads. My bicep kind of felt a little strained, but every time I hit pads, my biceps were usually sore um, for after. But I woke up in the middle of the night and my bicep was like three times the size, like just blowed out. And I was like, it was super sore since it almost felt like infected. It was an infection. Um, and I woke up and then I went to the doctor's that day. And yeah, they said you know, went to the hospital and ripped my van half, had three blood clots. I was on blood thinners right then for three months. So it took longer than I thought, you know I mean? Especially me being as healthy as I am, take care of my body, you know, I sleep, eat well. Like I, it was pretty, it was pretty crazy to see that it, it, it took that kind of tool on me.
4: And you thought you had many years. I think that's what Dana has, right? Where you're constantly getting very, very nauseous and dizzy. How long feeling going that way for?
2: That was like four months of that. Oh, it was horrible. And actually I went to Dana's doctor at the Mayo Clinic in Arizona and they checked it. And it was kind of like I hadn't I've had probably vertigo for almost three months until I went and seen him. And it was kinda on the downside. I had like the doctors where they're like, they're throwing me back, trying to do maneuvers to get me, you know, you know, for those, you know, the vertigo to kind of kinda come on. And then they blow like put like hot air in your ear for like a minute and it's like makes you have that dizziness. Like that was not fun at all. But, yeah, everything checked out well. It was just from the the COVID. That was one of the COVID symptoms.
4: You know what someone suggested? I don't know if they knew, but they were having a dizziness like that. And they said there's something you do where you lean into it, where you lay your head back over a bed and you let yourself get it. it, Did they tell you something similar?
2: Basically, I flew out there, and that's what the the doctor said. He's like, it's basically – maneuver that you do yourself and you can google it i think it's called the, I can't the actual name but it's on youtube and you basically like throw yourself back and do it and then the, the crystals go back in the tube and it kind of resets itself so like every time i would do jujitsu or grappling or mixed martial arts and i would get into those scrambles i would get so dizzy i would just hold on like until like it's subsided. you know it lasts sometimes three four or five minutes where being dizzy the whole round i'm just like oh. when it started happening i was training like i I was like, oh, okay, it'll, it'll, it'll subside. It'll be away. I mean, I was training for a world title, so I'm not going to take days off. You know, I really can't afford to. And so I remember like training with favor and we're going in this scramble when it first happened. And it was like the beginning of the round. And I just held in a position to where I was like, the whole time I was just spinning, felt like I was going to throw up. I was like, I'm not letting Uriah choke me out or get my back. Like, I was like, we were just all competitive with each other. And uh, then after that round, I was like, whoa, I was completely, and that was the first kind of like, onset that I had and didn't know, I didn't know I had COVID because I didn't have a fever I didn't have any other symptoms that they were kind of saying that you had I had vertigo and then vertigo wasn't really linked with COVID during that time you know I have the studies showed and you know afterward it was but yeah it was it was it was challenging man to be honest it was frustrating to be you know because it was I was out I was excited to get back in the cage and fight and it wasn't like I was injured I was had a health problem I had COVID you know and so it is what it is.
5: You were gonna fly, fight for the flyweight title, but now you're you're back up at bantamweight. Like how many more fights to get a bantamweight title? Like what's your goal? Um, for
2: me it's I feel like this is a huge fight. You know, I think this is a title eliminator. I think that me and Rob Fawn are right at the the front, you know, the front runners. And obviously um Al Jermaine just had neck surgery and they're gonna have to run that fight back with the with the yawn, how that ended in disqualification. So I mean, I feel like, you know, the winner of this is next in line. And then also, you know, I can go down to flyweight flyweight flights two weeks after me um you know so there's options for me you know i was already slated to have the title flight at flyweight i'd rather do it sooner than later i'd rather go down than go up um so we'll see you know they're doing the rematch with with figgy and moreno in a few weeks um obviously focus on rob but you know i I like to have options
4: yeah and are you still doing that because you and i for many times have spoken about the uh those nose balloons that kind of blasted out. I became obsessed with that because my sinuses are the focus of my dumb life. Do you still do those?
2: Yeah, I do. I mean, it just resets your whole jaw, your your head shape helps with sleep. Um, a lot, a lot of health benefits from it. Yeah, I, I haven't done it in a while, um, but I used to do it pretty religiously, weekly. <laughs> you know, it's sometimes uh, pretty painful.
4: It is painful, but what happens then? Your, your does your head settle back a little bit? Is it like fixing something, and then it just kind of kind of slowly goes back to where it was?
2: I mean obviously like in the line of work that we do we're punched and right like, on the it's kinda of shifts it. So, you know, it definitely had you have more adjustments, you know, through I think through training camp I, I go a lot more just to get it reset and just you know, I feel like I don't have headaches. I sleep better. Uh obviously my breathing is a lot better. Um I remember my uncle doing it, he had broken nose so many times and his eyes were kinda of sucking in and he, he did it I think three times in a row for three weeks and like you can see it's like his collar went away from his eyes. Like, like, he looked young. It made him look younger even. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. He was all excited.
4: <laughs> yeah, Forrest, have you ever tried that? I, I really wanted to, but the idea, I know it's uncomfortable, but like, because if Cody is feeling it, like I know I'm going to feel it.
5: So, yeah, I looked into it about a year ago, maybe. I think I heard it from from you guys, Cody. I've I wanted to I've just never gotten around to it but in that moment like I would be terrified something would go wrong and it would get too big and blow my brain up. <laughs> you have to like lay down and they put this like yeah.
2: stick and then balloon then you got to, then he's like all right, I'm gonna pump it you gotta <gasps> go like that I'm like what if I don't breathe enough or what if I don't you know I remember one time I the balloon popped and it went all the way down my throat I was like ah! it's in the embedded I to send you guys it's so funny I like coughed up the whole balloon I was like holy shit and not even that was even the scary part. I, it was probably six hours later, I was working out doing the weight cut and I was like, man, my throat was scratching. I'm like, man, that, that, my throat's all sore from it. I coughed up a little, another piece of the blood. And I was like, how long was that in my throat for that? Like, yeah, like, holy shit. Yeah. So that was like, a, I don't know if I should do this close to a fight before.
5: Yeah, you should. You shouldn't.
2: Yeah, I'm done. <laughs>
4: it gives you that weird, because I've had cameras put up my nose and back down into my, like, so you get that weird, like, that awful, it's like a COVID test, where you get that feeling of that part of your body that's not supposed to be touched. So I guess it feels like that when they're putting the balloon in, right?
2: That's the most, like, yeah, done. it doesn't feel comfortable. But the COVID test, man, I, I got a COVID test yesterday, and then <laughs> they did the throat one. Man, that guy was not nice with the with the throat one. I'd rather go down the nose, like the throat one, man. And I think that throat's all sore. I'm like,
4: <sighs> well, in China, aren't they doing even a less pleasant version? Um, uh-huh. I, is that true? And Ch- I heard in China they're doing. They said the like an anal swab is the most accurate way to test for it.
5: Well, hey, I mean, we're not doing that here in the states. Yeah. <laughs> nobody's going for that in the
2: states. Nobody's. nobody's we're not that. getting tricked, man. We're not getting bamboozled.
4: Yeah, I don't know. I might be a little bit easier. I don't like anything up my nose. I so that one I might be able to take a little bit easier. <laughs>
2: take it a little bit better.
4: <laughs> yeah, I, I probably should phrase that differently. Yeah, because that sounds like I'm really co-signing for having something shoved in there, which uh, I'm very squeamish. All right. Uh, anyway, how are you feeling about uh, Saturday? Obviously, you're feeling good. You're ready to go, and and you're you're happy to be uh, fighting again.
2: Yeah, excited. You know, these days. I felt this feeling the last fight leading up to the you know fight week and everything. All the media that we had to do. Um, so I knew that the passion and hunger was back you know the love for the sport uh, I don't know why I lost it for you know quite some time you know I'm just thankful that it's back uh, excited to be here I prepared very hard for this camp but also very smart um, you know put myself in uncomfortable positions to you know to set a pace for five rounds that my adversary Rob Font won't be able to you know uphold um, so excited to go out there and just showcase my hard work you know I feel like this is the most complete martial artist that I've been stepping inside an octagon and I'm just excited to go out there and showcase my whole well-roundedness.
4: And you, uh, I like that you weighed in, too, because uh, that, that whole Tyron Woodley little altercation he had backstage really annoyed me because it's like, you know, Tyron's lost a few fights, but he's still, he's still a killer. Uh, and for a guy to talk to him like that, unless Tyron said something before that like, that was a rebuttal to that I didn't see, I didn't understand that at all.
2: You see Tyrone, you know, professional. He's not, you know, he's like, even after he's like, hey, that was Ben's, that was Ben's night. I wasn't going to take anything from it, you know? And Jay Leon, love, like, come on, man. Like, you're going to sit here and talk smack on, on Willie. He's not even fighting, you know? Maybe he didn't truly believe that Ben was going to even win, but that's his boy. So he's going to stick beside him. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, I wanted Ben to win, but I, I didn't think that he was going to win. I mean, he's, he's the wor- one of the worst stand up. <laughs> I'm like, dude, they know what they're doing. They're picking like, oh, I'm fighting this guy. This guy can't, honestly, I don't really
5: think he'd fight himself out of wet paper bag in boxing. You know, it was bad. I couldn't believe the fight even got made. I thought it was a joke. And I was like, Ben, you had, you had 12 years to learn how to throw a punch and you didn't. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I learned it six weeks. But the wrestling, the wrestler in me was like, Ben, you got to do this. You Maybe you'll tire him out. You'll just lay on him a little bit. I don't know. I was hoping for the best, but expecting the worst, you know. But like I said, Ben, it didn't change him. He didn't care. He's like, yeah, it doesn't change me. But yeah, it does. You just beat and stop this guy from going on to do what he's going to do. Now look at this kid. You know, This kid's going to be humbled. And that's the thing about this sport. You know, if he keeps going and fighting, one of the actual fight guys, you know, nothing. taking nothing away from Ben, great athlete, great, great fighter, did a lot of things in mixed martial arts, but boxing's one discipline. There, you know what I mean? Like, he's not, he's not the best at that, you know, it's, he's really not. He's a good wrestler and good, you know, ground to pound and specialist submission, but they know what they're doing. You know, it's, it irks it me. But for that, like you said, Jim, for Jay Leon love to go after Woodley like that. I was like, man, that's just classless, you know? Like this dude's, you're a cheerleader for Jake Paul. He had pom-poms. The whole team had pom-poms. You're a professional. He's not a professional. He's a world champion boxer and he's holding pom-poms for Jake Paul. Like, dude, like who's the clout ride? Who's you're riding clout off this guy? Like, what's up with your career? You know, and we've been going back and forth a little bit, even that uh, his coach, the bald headed guy, um, BJ Flores. And it's like, they're all cashing in on this kid. Like, you can't train an actual fighter. Like you, you're cashing in on this kid, which they're smart. They're getting chunk of his his change for what he's able to do. But I just thought it was classless on uh, his uh, team, Paul's part.
4: And Look, boxing is, is such a, an incredible skill. And obviously, it's very difficult to be a good boxer. But as a mixed martial artist, where you guys have to deal with everything, when you hear a boxer saying something like that, does it tap into that part of you that goes like, yeah, you're, you, you're, you might be a more skilled boxer because that's what you do. But if we, if we met somewhere, you know, I, I'd throw you on the ground and put you to sleep. Like, is there that like annoyance that they're taking an attitude where like if it came down to it, I mean, Tyron would strangle him?
2: oh gosh definitely like I said if they met like ben said if we met in the back alley it'd be homicide like ben would take him down and, and choke him unconscious you know like that was, this is what would happen ben would wrestle would get him in the position where you know he would choke him out for sure and that's the thing like if you're talking about fighting if we're talking about like you're trying to challenge me to a fight like all right i'm thinking street fight you know and in that situation with tyron woodley and jay leon Love, like, are right, you want to come out to fight like let's fight now like Let's see what happens with your, you're a boxer. You know what I mean? You take a leg kick or an elbow through your face. Like it's going to change the whole, that's why you don't throw elbows in boxing because people would die in there. You know, you get killed inside boxing, you know, just being, doing over and do punches and elbows. Um, but I think martial, that's what I'm saying, the martial artists are going over there and competing in boxing. You saw Connor McGregor went 10 rounds with one of the best pound for pound and gave him a run for his money. You can, yeah, anybody can say whatever they want about that fight, but he looked good in that fight. You know, he looked really good. He did really well against uh, Mayweather. You know, you don't see any boxers come over. One boxer came over.
4: James Tony. yeah.
2: Good
5: for James Tony.
2: Yeah. I, I respect that. James like, you know what? Like, he's smoking cigarettes and cigars. And <laughs> I mean, do this, do that.
5: He had the same attitude that uh, Ben had. He was like, yeah, I'm going to get paid, though. Yeah, I'm going to get paid. I'm going to get choked out. i didn't pay get Yeah, it's like, I'm not even going to get hit. I just get, you know, punched up a little bit. He got ankle picked Yeah, yeah. No, I was training with Randy at the time, and Randy said I saw that he had his ankle wrapped, and I knew <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: ankle pick. That might be the first ankle pick he
5: was was Randy's game plan. Obviously, was to take him down. But as soon as he saw the wrapped ankles, ankle pick was the game plan.
2: Ankle pick. That was my. I was like, he just said ankle pick on this fool. This didn't probably know what ankle pick is. No, no. He was probably just defending like takedowns, getting underhooks. Ankle pick. You don't want to take me down with my ankle?
4: Didn't Ferguson threaten to ankle pick uh, Fabrizio Verdun when they had that argument? I always thought that was very funny. Threaten to ankle pick him.
5: Um, What a technique to come up with, right? Yeah. Like, I'll kick your ass. I'll smash your face. Oh, ankle pick you. Oh,
2: ankle pick your ass.
5: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when, when
4: when when uh when mma fighters fight boxing it's like not only you in you're like literally your instinct is like all the leg work you do with it you're giving up most of your weapons it's a totally it, like boxers don't even know what they're missing when they fight a mixed martial artist guy you have to literally train yourself not to throw a kick not to uh take somebody down it's like you have to literally restrain yourself from doing what's natural
2: i think that we do so much of like the boxing sparring um uh, that it's you know, I think it's why you see, you know, the elevation of the striking because we do a lot of boxing and a lot of kickboxing. You know, a lot of wrestlers come over, so they're like, all right, we're not going to really focus on too much wrestling. We're going to, you know, keep the rest off and do that. but We're going to focus on hands and, and movement and, and that. So that's always, you know, with us, we've been wrestling since we were, you know, five, six years old. You know, a lot of us, so it's, we're focused on more on striking. That's why you see a lot of these. You know, wrestlers, they got really good hands and good movement. And they're, they're not afraid. They're not irky-jerky in there. They're real tight and compact when punches come because
5: they've been in the fire. Well, I'll tell you the other secret on that, Cody. Uh, wrestling's really hard. And as you get older, <laughs> if you've wrestled a lot, you're, not, you're, you're happy to not wrestle. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I know. And this camp, I literally I wrestled so much just to have that because it's like, man, like go back to your roots. Go back to what is the hardest thing that you don't want to do? You know, we used to wrestle every single day. But then you go into martial arts, you might wrestle twice a week. I'm like, oh, it's just so sweet, you don't have to hurt. But I'm, like, taking shots. I'm getting tired. I'm like, that wrestling conditioning pace is unbearable. Like, then you're holding someone down for three minutes. And I was like, holy shit, they get up. Then you have to, like, fight them for two more minutes until you get a minute break. You're like, man, like, it, 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 was, it was tough. It was a tough grind. I think that's what, uh, you know, doing that wrestling grind in my mind was what I had to go back to just to get ready for this fight.
4: Yeah, wrestlers just seem like a fucking nightmare. Just like, they just seem like a fucking nightmare.
5: And, and so I watch a lot of high level wrestling, you know, and they're twisting each other's arms and legs and knees. And I'm just like, I would just go to my back, dude. It's going to hurt you. You know what I'm saying? Like where they're wrenching on each other's arms and the guy won't, he's, he stays belly down. I just roll the hell over. And be like, All right. Pool guard. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah, pool no. Oh yeah. You got the leg. I'm go right to my back. Yeah.
4: All right. Well, Cody, you're uh, the main event this Saturday night against Rob Font. Uh, You know, good luck, man. I'm happy that you're healthy and you're healed up and you're fighting again and you sound great. So uh, look forward to it and then we'll see what happens after this. I'm sure you'll have a title shot this year.
2: Yeah, I'm going to try to stay down and go to the flyweight if, if that's possible. But whatever happens, focus on Saturday. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the time. Jim, Forrest, always great catching up with you.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed
4: Yeah, Forrest, that thing he's talked about, I tell you, I have thought about that. And uh, also, Phoenix Carnival and Amanda Nunes have talked about, so I could talk fucking nose with anybody.
5: Love it, yeah.
4: I'm such a bad breather. And I think it was Amanda, who also has shitty sinuses, who said that the Navaj um, changed her life. Because before fights, you can do that, as opposed to like Afrin, I think you can use Navaj. Uh, it just cleans you out with salt.
5: Yeah. You, you ever use one? Oh, yeah, yeah. Those, like, pot type deals. It just – but you hold it up. It feels stupid, yeah. but it just oh, sucks up.
4: Yeah. Oh, I love it.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: What for you – is is there anything that lingers that bothers you? Like, you know, I know a lot of times fighters will have something lingering. Is there one thing that, like, fuck, that, that still gets to me?
5: Oh, like, like – Injury-wise or body-wise? Yeah, yeah. Well, I need to have both shoulders replaced. So, then I mean, that's kind of a big one. I can't, like, reach up. Uh, funny story, and this is, like, five years ago – you know, I was still a relatively big guy. I'm next to some old lady and she asked me to get her bag down from the overhead compartment. And, you know, I wasn't going to say no, but I had to like put my foot up on the seat and thank goodness I'm as tall as I am. Cause I, I have no strength at that range of motion, you know? And so basically like the bags like falling down. I'm like, here you go. <laughs> old so old lady's bag up.
4: Old lady's bag. So you hurt both, uh, both shoulders,
5: uh, yeah. fighting. Oh, it was wrestling. Training, training, stupid training all the time. I, I always sucked at actual like shooting wrestling, but we wrestled a lot. So I found that I could hold my own with decent wrestlers if I just got them in an upper body clinch and pushed them against the wall. You know, wall wrestling is great because those those high level wrestlers back then, they didn't know how to do it. So it was like a an evener. Right. It's like right. this dude's like standing straight up and just hugging my upper body. This is weird. You know, I want to throw the d- right. right. So. Yeah, I just found it a good way to deal with with people shooting on my legs. And I have horrible reaction time with the shot. But I could hold my own technically in the clinch. So I spent a lot, a lot of time there in practice. And, uh, you know, you just get wizard, overhooked, underhooked. And then, uh, you know, it starts to break down over time. It does. Yeah, and it's
4: funny because I've never fought. I've done very, very minimal kickboxing training. But this is what I do in the pandemic. I have an Oculus. And I do this fit where I box and uh, it's a good cardio workout. Like it really does make you sweat. I think I'm going to get one. Yeah, I saw Dana talking about the same thing. I think I'm going to get one. But just dude, after punching for 20 minutes, it's like literally 20 and you're punching these, like these, uh, like almost like beach balls floating at you. It's kind of fun and it keeps you moving, but like my arms get sore. I'm like, I don't know how the fuck guys spar or how they punch all the time. I'm sore after 20 minutes alone.
5: Yeah. Well, there's something, too, to, like, that full-speed shadow boxing, you know? I don't know. Maybe you're just a giant wuss. The other thing, too, is you can't start these sports when you're old. You know, I see, like, middle-aged dudes, like, picking up jujitsu or kickboxing for the first time, and I'm like, yeah, I picked this up when I was 19, and I was already behind the curve at 19. It was, like, hard for me then, you know? Uh, your, your body's your body's not you know your body doesn't want to do new things at this age well i'm 52 i'm hoping for a seniors league no but i, I just i want to do
4: it just because it's good it, it was it's healthy and it, like it, it gets you in a little bit better shape I, I'm not in a competitive way but yeah, also sorry. if some guy on the subway grabs my girlfriend's ass i would love to be able to at least not be completely humiliated like, it's just for basic stuff
5: yeah no that seems that seems personally uh, perfectly reasonable uh, you know here's the thing I actually worry about street fights. You do? I mean, I haven't been in one in probably a decade, but but like when I was twenty-three or four, I was training and a lot of people weren't. And I was so damn confident. Like, you know, I worked as a bouncer, people would try to like throw punches. I would just Andre green naked chair. Andre like like comically. It it, knowing how to fight in like the mid aughts, like two thousand three, four, it was like a superpower. Now you see people like in a street fight, like on your Instagram doing jujitsu and like tapping out and like, you know, people like the, it's just so funny. This, the, the sport of fighting has changed culture a bit, right? Like everybody yeah. kind of knows what you're talking about. Like if you start talking about techniques, you know, my, my wife knows these things. It's crazy. But like when I was growing up, 230 pound dude, nobody knew this. It was like, I was magic. I yeah. read, Like in the bar, I would like snap people, snap people down, take their bag, guillotine them, do whatever. And and the guys, the other guys would be like, Oh my God, are you a ninja? And I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> but you still do see
4: plenty of guys flailing like, and again, that would knock me the fuck out.
5: I, but I, I call mean, them NBA fights. There's NBA a low fights. percentage. There's a low percentage that this is going to hit you, but if it does, you're in trouble, but it's not, you know, it's like the old Jim Carrey punch. Yeah. Hilarious. You could get out of the way of that. I couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's about it. That's about it. Now, uh, have you had any of those
4: moments uh, since you've stopped fighting or when you were fighting where guys don't know who you are and they just, they, they try to be
5: assholes? I mean, you're a big dude to begin with, but have you had any of that? Not really, but you know, I don't, uh, I don't drive as aggressive as I used to. I'm, I'm, I mean, I've mellowed, I'm old. So I try to be mellow and kind of be cool. You know, were you a road rage guy? I was, I was, I've gotten better. I've gotten better. Mid- middle age will do that to you. Yeah. It, a lot of it is just getting older. Um, But I've always found that the little wave, no
4: matter what's going on when you're driving this, if you fuck up the little wave, I, I've never seen anyone be angry after you gave them a little wave.
5: And I'll even put my head down to like, yeah, sorry. And like shake my head. Yeah. It's me. Yeah. But what if somebody does something to you and, I, and then, you know, then they give you the, I wouldn't give me the finger the other day. And it was like, wait, but, but you did it to me. What, well, why would you give me the finger? Yeah. And then, um, and then I just went right on about my life and never really gave her another thought.
4: Yeah. It's really hard to not let myself get angry at stuff like that. Um, like even from like, I was pulling into my parking garage yesterday and the guy was like, he was coming up the ramp, but he was in between both lanes. So I backed out and let him go. This fuckhead doesn't even wave like not even a thank you and it's just it's weird that those little moments tap into something in people
5: you tell that guy look man i've been playing a boxing video game i will mess you up i dude i put i actually put my oculus on and i got out of the car
4: <laughs> so he knew he was fucking with hold me, on let me get person. my controller so yeah. hey justin how are you
3: yeah not so bad
4: and uh, i guess you're obviously in vegas
5: now
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. In Vegas,
5: he's in the beautiful hotel room. Yeah, yeah. Do you recognize where he is, Forrest? Well, yeah, because everybody's coming from these the, the same picture, right? Everybody, like during the fight week in Vegas, it's pretty much everybody has the same background.
4: Uh, and is fighting, Justin? Is fighting is something you kind of always knew that you wanted to do?
3: Uh not really. I I love playing rugby. You know, my um, uh, my, my family, uh. They were boxers and rugby players. So, man, you know, if rugby didn't work out, I knew I could swing them hands when I was a, you know, from a young age.
4: <laughs> did you fight a lot growing up? Were you, were, you, were you in a neighborhood where you fought a lot or did you train, fight, or actually fight other kids?
3: Yeah, no, nah, me, me and my brothers were, um, we we're the black sheep family of, you know, of my mom's side. Um, my mom was one of 14. So, wow. we had a lot of, co- yeah, we had a lot of cousins and we was the ones that got, in, got into all the little scraps.
4: You got into the uh, would you normally start them or would you normally just respond to them or were you starting them too?
3: No, no, we did. that was one rule, like we never started fights, but when the fight was there, we we always made sure to to finish it.
4: And what was your path to the UFC? Um, like it, it, was it a goal to get into the UFC or what actually, uh, path did you take to to actually get where you are right now?
3: Yeah, no, you know, just like. I just like fighting for the competition. I kickbox first and then, um, one kickboxing event, Mark Hunt, striking coach was there and he was like, man, you guys would do well if he's, if he's, um, come and join Mark on one of his camps. So we joined Mark. I think it was his uh, big four silver two camp. And from then on, I was like, man, this, this MMA thing's a lot better than the, the kickboxing world, you know, and Mark was always telling us, man, you should get into this, you know, Stop! Stop fighting for pennies and and come and join the MMA world. So that's what I did. I I dropped kickboxing and I went straight into learning the the grappling side of things and fought locally. And after three KOs, uh, the UFC signed
5: me up. Heavyweight. There's not that many good ones. Hey, how many kickboxing fights did you have?
3: Uh, I think I had like fourteen.
5: Hunt Silva, the the first one.
4: Oh, really? uh, one of the greatest fights ever. Uh, the second one was—I don't remember what happened. Didn't Mark Hunt win the decision in the second one? Am I am I wrong about that? Or was there?
3: I uh, finished him. He finished him early. Oh, he did finish.
4: bro. okay. But the the first one was uh, really—I uh, I, a draw, right? Wasn't it a draw?
3: Yeah, it was a draw, man. That it was a crazy fight, eh?
4: It was right. What was the uh, what was the hardest? Uh, thing for you to learn. When you went from kickboxing, you started taking grappling, uh, what what type of transition was that for you? Was there anything that was really difficult or took you a longer period than you wanted it to take before you felt comfortable doing it?
3: Yeah, definitely the grappling side, but uh, I I was playing rugby league at at a club called Melbourne Storm. They're like, you know, they're They're just like the top rugby league. You know, They've won many times, been to the final many times, and they had a a grappling coach there that was a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and all the other rugby league teams were like, what are these guys doing? What? Wh- why are they grappling? But it was just a strategy to slow, slow the, um, the footy game down to their liking and that's when I first saw, saw grappling and I kind of learned some techniques from that and then when, when I got into the transition into MMA, I, kinda, I was like, oh man, I've seen this before. I did this back when I was playing rugby training at, at this um, black belt's gym. So, the grappling side was the hardest, but at the same time, coming from a footy background, you know, we tackle with no helmets, no, no, no gears there. So it was, it was kind of like a smooth transition.
5: I w- I've always liked rugby better than American football. Can you explain why American football is so popular? Why is not rugby taken over yet?
3: I think it's the short bursts, you know, like, man, the plays are just chaotic
5: short bursts. And then you can have fifteen commercials for potato chips before oh. the next big. Like I see <laughs> what I love about rugby. It's kind of a combination of like American football and football proper. It just kind of keeps going. But yeah, you you're tackling and you get in the scrum. And what position did you play?
3: I played like a maybe like equivalent to like a, a linebacker. So all all about that action there. Eh?
5: I've never watched
4: I mean I'm familiar with it, but I've never actually watched a rugby match. So you're tackling without helmets?
3: No, no pads. Back when I was playing, you know, they've changed the rules now where obviously CTE coming into play in that, but back when I was playing, man, you can just smash some guys, man. No gears, no nothing.
4: Do you ever get knocked out playing?
3: No, nah, no. Nah. How many people did you knock out?
4: Yeah, that's a better question.
3: <laughs> Tackling or fighting? <laughs> yeah, Lots of both. Yeah. That's awesome.
4: <laughs> and uh what do you what do you think about the uh the heavyweight division? I mean, uh, it's interesting to see what's happening at the top of the division with uh, it, it's going to be uh Derek Lewis maybe, and then Stepe getting the winner of that because Jones for some reason is not, uh, maybe he wants, you know, obviously he wants more money. Um, but do you see a path to yourself getting into the top 15 and, and moving up the ranks? Um, and obviously you have to worry about this Saturday first, but what, what path do you see to possibly get uh, a little deeper in the ranks?
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, after this fight, uh, I think I can hold my own easily with, with, with any of these top fifteen guys, especially with the way I'm, I've been developing. You know, I, I come into this game really, really fresh. You only three fights, four rounds, so the trajectory of my improvement through these last few fights have been through the roof. I think, you know, and and I, all I can do is just keep showing. You know, what, why am I contender? The last fight, I showed I can go the rounds. I showed I can, uh, I, I can keep up for the, you know, the, the three rounds. So. I used to say I can't beat any of these top fifteen. I still got that knockout power too in those later rounds.
4: Yeah, it is interesting to watch too, because especially at heavyweight, going into deeper rounds, uh, you know, like Cormier was was very good at that. But it's it it seems like a little bit harder uh, at that weight for guys, unless you're Cain Velasquez to to keep the cardio going through the uh, the, the third, fourth, and uh, I guess you've one decision right was your last fight with Philippe.
3: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I dropped that. That was my my very first fight that I. Uh, I went into the uh, the decision and dropped there by split, you know, it was a bit bit rough on that one. But um man, I felt good, you know.
4: You did you didn't notice a big difference in the third? You felt okay compared to the first and the second?
3: Yeah, yeah. I felt all good. But besides um getting a couple of eye pokes, man, I I felt all good.
4: Yeah, when you guys get poked in the eye, that's a good that's a good point. Like I know that it's uh you look at something like uh Edwards Belal Muhammad, uh, which unfortunately ended the fight. Are, are you likely to go, look, that's just a part of the game. It happens. Or do you ever take it personally? Like this guy's a fucking asshole and it might be doing this, uh, not necessarily on purpose, but he's not doing what he should be doing to prevent it.
3: No, man, you know, there's a high risk of, of, of getting poked in the eyes because sometimes it's just, just by reflex that you stick a hand out, you know, like back when you, I don't know about you, but when I used to get a, a scene to by one of my parents, you know, I used to stick my hands out just as reflex. So man, I do not blame these guys.
5: Does bother me though, Jim. There's guys that do it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you come forward, it's on you. You know, guys put their fingers out to get that extra little bit of range. And I'm like, man, put your fingers up or down or you know, put out with the closed fist. You know, it's not. I don't know. Do you think they're doing it beyond? Like, because it does seem like justice. Like it
4: does seem like almost like an instinct to to maybe uh, uh, get gauge your distance a little bit. But you think that there's some guys where they could do it like this and they're just not. They're just willing to take the chance that they're going to poke you in the eye.
3: Man, yeah. A lot of great area on that. You know, like, I'm not too sure, man. I, I thought Carlos Felipe, who I fought previously, I, I thought it was by accident. Yeah. I thought he was just instinctually just sticking his hand out to try, try to evade a strike, you know. But there's some people yeah, that, that, man, are you sure you're trying to gauge distance or are you sure your fingers are poking out there? You know, like, I, are you hoping they, they close the distance into your fingers? Eh? Right.
4: Well, I hope you're uh, obviously you're ready for Saturday and uh, you're feeling good I mean you look very calm I think that's just your nature though uh, you, you seem like a pretty
5: Zen guy most He's of the time actually really fired up right now this is the- <laughs> <laughs> Do you have to cut any weight
3: yeah yeah I drop a few a uh, few pounds fight a week I'm just a big guy man I,
5: there you are
3: I eat clean everything and I still stay stay big but I just mumon you know <laughs> yeah,
5: yeah exactly.
4: All right. Well, look, it's good talking to you and against uh, uh, Jared Vandera on uh, Saturday night. Um, and, uh, you know, you're a fun guy to watch fight and good luck on Saturday, man. It was, uh, it was good finally having you on the podcast.
3: You guys be right. Well, eh? Cheers.
4: Anyone who is friends with Mark Hunt, I like. I, I was obsessed with Mark Hunt for a long time. I love Mark Hunt. He's one of the few guys I've never
5: met who I really want to meet. I like anybody that's like, I like anybody like with Justin's demeanor that you would not think is a fighter. You just, Hey man, what's up? You know, it's like so mellow and so nice. And, you know, I I just like that switch like in movies too. That's my favorite thing. When somebody starts out like kind of all calm and then they just end up being like the crazy badass at the end of the movie. But yeah, I, I like people that are like so mellow and then they turn it on. Like, um, we, you're talking about Amanda Nunez. She's like the nicest human if you meet yeah. her, but like she is so mean when she's fighting. <laughs> yeah. You meet her, she's like holding a baby. She's like, oh, it's okay. So you know, she's like so sweet to everybody, but she she wants to punch you really hard. Yeah. We just had
4: on Felicia Spencer and we were talking to her about, and she was saying that she has such a confidence, but it's not cocky. And it's an interesting thing, like that, like she doesn't come off as cocky. She just seems like she's in a great mood when she gets there. Um, and, and Felicia said that that really you do notice that uh, when you have to fight her, that you can sense that she, it's not a cockiness, it's a true confidence.
5: Well, and then, you know, it's always a little disturbing when somebody else is real happy to fight you. <laughs> You're like, man, <laughs> they're in a good mood. Hey, that guy seems really chipper. What does he know that I don't know? <laughs> He's not worried at all. He's not worried about me at all. Oh boy, have you ever had that when you were going to fight
4: somebody? Like again, I know you guys are hard to psych out. Like a guy with a mean mugging you, the press doesn't mean anything. Um, but have you ever had that where a guy's energy was like, "Ooh, that's
2: real." I,
5: I always was very good about never looking at my opponent in that way, and I always looked internally and always thought I just clean my own house, right? Keep my own, you know, my own mental clean, and and not not worry at all because when you start looking in. Like I never tried to intimidate anybody. I never tried to not intimidate anybody. I had the opposite strategy of Bisbing. Bisbing's like, what? Who, what does it matter what they're saying? They're going to try and hurt you as bad as they can on fight day anyway. My strategy was, I don't want to give you anything to motivate you until it's too late. Like until like the day before the fight and then I'll kind of turn it on a little bit and like, yeah, I'm ready. But like the lead up to the fight, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's so good. Such a nice guy. I don't want to give you any, you know, any motivation to train harder or want to beat me up. I'm like, yeah, you know, whatever. But then when you show up fight week, it's like, okay, hope you did that training because I did. Hope you're in shape because I am.
4: You don't want you don't want to be like GSP walking around with Matt Serra's name on a brick, like throwing it into the water and go like that extra motivation. You don't want somebody be that motivated. No,
5: I mean, you know, it, it's a fist fight for a lot of money. Right. So you're always motivated to win. You're always motivated to get better. I don't it doesn't take a lot of external motivation when you're in a fight. So when you would walk in and you would, what kind of fear would you be dealing with? Is it like I'm afraid I'm going to get really hurt or I'm afraid we can't use the word fear. Okay. All right. Fear's got a negative connotation. There's anxiety because this is important. This is a big moment. Of course, you are nervous. This is important to you. This matters. This is something you've been uh, preparing for for months and even years. And this is, you know, this is what you want in life. So yes, it's important. You have a lot of anxiety, your body's doing crazy things, but it's not fear. Remember, You wanted to be here. This was your idea. You were the one that wanted to make a living doing this. You're here because you want to be here. You're not here on accident. You worked your ass off to get here. So don't be afraid of being here. Be anxious about the end result. You obviously want the result. But, you know, the, the idea is, you know, control everything on your side. Control the controllable, right? As many variables as you can dial in to give yourself confidence, that's what you do. And, you know, at the end of the day, you have to know that you've done the work and that you're not going to quit on yourself and the rest will take care of itself. Right. Like Anderson just made a comment about how MMA fans are a bit of, you know, kind of jerks. Right. They don't like they kind of will forget that you were amazing and then say, oh, you're getting beat up. Just quit. Anderson just kind of made a comment like that. And I thought I almost think, though, it's one of the good things. In the sport, that like you have champions and Hall of Famers, and they have a loss or two. Like you know, the baddest, scariest dude on the planet, Francis Ngannou, has lost two fights. He's lost a couple fights, you know. Um, so everybody kind of can lose. You know, DC, I think one of the greatest fighters ever, lost a fight. Bisping, probably the greatest story in UFC, from a guy that that was kind of you know middle of the road here, 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 to becoming a champion. He's got a ton of losses he got he got starched, you know, a lot, but but he just kept doing it kept kept, you know, winning and fighting. And I think that's the the great thing about MMA as opposed to boxing like you see all these like the guy that that just fought uh, Canelo undefeated. It's like if you got more than three losses in pro boxing, you're a hack. Whereas in MMA, if you got three or four losses, it's like, OK, you were developing. You've hopefully gotten better. You you got caught, you know, like Cody. He's got losses. Justin, he's got losses. You know, he, well, he has a loss. But but yeah, you know, I, I like that it's forgivable to lose an MMA. And I think that's more encouraging for the fighters, too. Right. So if you're always fighting to not lose, then you're. Floyd Mayweather at at the end of his career when it was like basically you can tell he's trying not to get hit, he's gonna gonna win, you know, via points, whatever. Uh whereas in MMA it's like, hey man, go for it. You know, even even Woodley in his last fight, he finally went for it. He put his foot on the gas and threw some hammers.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I felt bad for him. Um, but you do you mentioned Cody, like I think Cody at one point was 10 and 0 if I remember correctly, and then he dropped, I think it was three. And then that last fight against the sunset was a great win for him. Um, But it it seems like it does change uh, fighters because you, but you're fighting the top guys. But when you see someone like uh, who's undefeated, start losing in a row, in a row, you're like, did something change in the way they're perceiving themselves after that first law? Like I think John Jones has the greatest possible scenario because he has a loss because of that elbow so it's not a perfect record that he has to worry about, but yet he knows in his own mind he hasn't been beaten, what? other than maybe you could say the uh, Dominic uh, uh, Rana fight.
5: Uh, yeah, I mean, I still don't think you, I, I don't even kind of count that loss. I was actually got to be there that night, and it is what it is, right? Right. That that kid, despite the illegal elbows, he had already dislocated his shoulder. Hamill's shoulder was dislocated, and that's actually why he quit the fight. Yeah. Not the not the. Uh, the downward elbows to the eye and every everybody says they should make those legal bro the 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 12 to 6 heaven to hell elbows for mount those are dangerous for like your your those are going to break your your all your eye bones you know those those are those are kind of dead that's what like getting elbowed in the top of the forehead i'm not worried about Getting elbowed in the eye socket, ye, that that could cost somebody their their sight. You know, that's that's why those should remain illegal, and that's the only reason. Like, do I care about people hitting on the side of the head or slightly behind the ear? No, but when you're mounted and you're throwing those elbows, yeah. Anyway, yeah. quick side on that.
4: Yeah, yeah. No, I was just saying in the context of protecting that. Ze- like, it just seems like a lot of. Uh, I, I only have noticed a pattern, like Weidman. I think it was either 10 or 12 and zero before he lost. And then he lost. And again, anybody can lose, but when you see it happening, like in hunks like that, you're like, I just wonder if the guy's perception or something about the way he sees himself changed at all. I I, I don't know.
5: Yeah. And that's definitely a possibility. It could be other people have figured him out. Oh, there's the game sure. plan to beat him. I've got to do that. And now I know how to prepare to, uh, okay, he's not good at this or, you know,
4: well, like Kevin Holland, uh, who had an amazing 2020, 5-0, and then he goes uh, – he's lost a couple in 2021, both times on the ground. So when that happens, maybe you're right. Maybe guys do see it and go, hey, this is a way to beat this guy.
5: Well, I think the back-to-back fights, that's exactly what happened. It's like uh, Vittori just followed the game plan. He saw. I was, oh, I'm just going to take the guy down and be on top of him. He's not going to – you know, he had the one great highlight against Chaka Ray, but, you know, that that's a hard – Thing to replicate right right and uh and vittori vittori uh adesanya
4: i mean the adesanya took a loss against on the ground uh against uh Blahovic. but again going up in weight it's you know it's a it's a big Yeah, jump it's in forgivable
5: right it's, it's totally forgivable and and the thing i like even about israel is he is he's been knocked out once in a fight you know and kickboxing right yeah 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 but that brazilian dude that now fights in the lfa just apparently trans with Glover and just has lead in his hands.
4: Yeah. I, I don't know who it is. I don't know his name. Oh, I don't do names. I'm so bad. Um, and a part of it is like, I, I mean, like John Anik makes us all look like fucking assholes. It drives me crazy. Cause I'll either watch him or Bruce buffer. Uh, but Anik just gets it right all the time. So it's possible to do, but I just tell myself, Matt's Matt's as bad as I am at it. So that kind of makes me feel good. Is like Matt and I, neither one
5: of us are amazing with the names. I won't even try though. I'll just be like the guy, you know, from the guy with the fuck the guy. You know the guy, right? The yeah. guy, he's got a real good right hook. Yeah. I don't know his name. He fights in LFA. He knocked the guy out in like 12 seconds in the LFA. He's that guy. That guy. You can look him up. You got Wikipedia. You got Google. You figure his name out. You figure out how to say it. I don't
4: want to. Thanks to Cody uh, Garbett and Justin Taffa for joining us today. Um, it's always good to have you on, man. I love talking to you.
5: Oh, it's great, Jim. I, I love, maybe, maybe I'll we'll see you in real life sometime and we could talk like humans. Now. I know. That'd be even better.
4: I want to come out to Vegas, uh, probably before July or at least maybe for July 4th. So I, I definitely plan on being in Vegas, hopefully, you know, in a little more than a month. So yeah, hopefully I'll see you there. Oh, go away. Farz, do you plug
3: in
5: anything? Um, well, yeah, I got, I got one thing. So the performance Institute re- released the second iteration of their journal. I'll send you an email um, so yeah the first one was like 80 pages this one's uh, damn near 500 so it's basically everything you ever wanted to know about fighting plus science so it's it's pretty impressive where can people get it uh, yeah it's free online that's a great question but I'll send you the link they're just I think if you just go to like UFC you can you can find it somewhere but yeah it's just a link and you have to give them your information so then we have your. You know, we have your your data then. But then you get a a free copy of an awesome journal. And then we can hit you up and try to, I don't know, give you more free information later. (laughs) All right, brother. I appreciate it. All right, man, man. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Take care, Forrest. Top Two is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy.